Super Talk Mississippi media production. Did you know Toyota Brookhaven has sold more new vehicles the last two years than any other dealership in southwest Mississippi? Come see why. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota Brookhaven, we deliver. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show, where we celebrate every single day uh, the amazing people who are working in the trenches to make Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. I had a great conversation last Wednesday with the Commissioner of Public Safety, Sean Tindall, and we talked, we, you know, just a, an hour-long discussion about all the things that he's involved in. One of the things I pointed out, incidentally, during that conversation was that he's the, he is a member of a strong bench of, uh, of political up-and-comers in our state. Uh, you think about people like Shad White, the state auditor, you know, what's he going to do next? You think about Lynn Fitch, you know, the, the current attorney general, what's she going to do next? And, and uh, you know, Michael Watson. And you hear some private sector names mentioned, but a strong, strong bench. In fact, uh, as I mentioned on that show last Wednesday, Frank Bardot, who is an insurance executive here in coastal Mississippi and someone that I enjoy talking about the insurance challenges with, is also uh, head of the Republican Party from Mississippi, and one of the things he said to me on a show not not too long ago was he didn't look forward to the future because some really really good people are going to be running against some really really good people, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out. But Sean is the director of public service in Mississippi, and we kind of broke it all down. He has a tremendous amount of responsibility. Uh, he came into that job after being an assistant uh, assistant district attorney. He was a senator. He was a judge, um, really laid some terrific groundwork to to enable him to go into this position as an appointee by Governor Tate Reeves. Uh, but we talked about a lot of stuff. But one of the one of the interesting points in our conversation was an effort that is underway at the at the Department of Public Safety around wellness and what they call the Wellness and Resiliency Program. And he was just he was just pointing out that morale is really important and can think about the challenges whether you work in the Bureau of Narcotics or the Mississippi Highway Patrol or any number of other agencies, eleven of them that are response that uh, are part of the Department of Public Safety. Um, they, they, there's a lot of challenges. They got a lot to learn. They get a lot of stuff thrown at them and trying to find that sort of that balance between work and family so that you can have a happy employee. is really important. It's sort of like every CEO deals with. Uh, but, uh, if you think about Sean, he's the CEO of the department of public safety and he's focused on this. And, um, our, our friend, Johnny Polis, who's going to be joining us here in just a second, I have a long history with Johnny Polis, incidentally, and we'll, t- we'll share with you a little bit about that here in just a second. have been doing some work in the Mississippi Highway Patrol area and more recently have begun to sort of work on the, on the entire uh, scope of the Department of Public Safety. And I thought it would be a, a good idea based on that conversation and just wanting to catch up with my friend Johnny uh, to have him come on and chat with him about this wellness program, but more importantly, just to find out what's going on in his life these days. So without any further ado, let me welcome my friend Johnny Polis back to the Ricky Matthews Show. How you doing, Johnny? Doing great, Ricky, and, and thanks for having me today. Yes, yeah, good, good to see you. So where are you sitting right now? 
So I'm actually at the Mississippi Law Enforcement Officers Training Academy in, in Pearl, Mississippi. Uh, had a training class this morning. So uh, they're actually doing some renovations in the building. So if, if you see some blank walls, they're, they're in the process of painting. Yeah, that's that that's right. That's right. Hey, listen, Johnny, when I think of you, I think it's I have so many so many pleasant thoughts back uh go back to before Hurricane Katrina, but certainly right after Hurricane Katrina, when we cranked up the governor's commission on recovery, rebuilding and renewal. And uh Governor Barber, man, he was spending a lot of time in Washington. He was spending a lot of time in coastal Mississippi. And when he would come here, as you well knew, he spent a lot of time at the Sun Herald because that's where we had a meeting facility. And we, we were, you know, we, our conference room was often available to the governor's commission and many members of his staff, uh, Joe Cloyd and a long list of others actually worked out of my conference room for well over a year after, after Hurricane Katrina, just because there wasn't a place for them to, to, uh, to work. But you would often travel with the governor down here, and it became almost like matter of fact. There for a while, we saw each other so often. But um, man, it was a it, it was a it, you had a you had a wonderful perch to see some incredible leadership in the in the wake of Hurricane Katrina, didn't you? I did, Ricky. And you know, about a month ago, Governor Barber was down on the coast and and I had the opportunity to talk with him. And we we relived a lot of experiences during that time and while he was governor. And I, I did have the opportunity to tell him that that was some of the greatest times in my career uh, when he was governor. I learned a lot from him. Um, and, and I use some of those practices every single day in this job that I'm currently in. Yeah, he he and I, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I can I can honestly say that he he became a friend during that during that process, and we check in with each other from time to time. He's been on my show obviously a couple of times, but it's good to good to stay in touch with him. You know, he had that he had that really difficult situation as a result of his wreck that he had to recover from. Uh, he's lucky to be alive, to be honest with you, and. He has, uh, you know, he's finally, finally starting to get around and starting to feel better. And I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's kind of the energizer bunny in a way because it, he just, there's no stopping this guy. He's still one of the most important political minds in the entire United States. And his, as you saw, and you got to personally observe, uh, he has a mind like a steel trap. He knows everybody and he remembers their names and he remembers situations, uh, I, I don't think we'll ever see another leader in this state like him. I agree. And I, I can tell you going back to how his memory is just unbelievable. And that was one of the things that he educated me on the importance of remembering someone's name. Yeah. I can yeah. remember the day that we had that conversation. It's hard to believe it's been 18 years ago, uh, but it was during that period of the recovery uh, for Katrina that we spent a lot of time together. Yeah. Listen, I, I can, I'll tell you a quick story. I've, I've uh, shared this on the show at least once before, but over three and a half years, the chances that most people didn't hear it. But one of the things that was, uh, uh, again, because I was a vice chairman and I, I worked with him to form the governor's commission, we spent an awful lot of time together. And I remember uh, once in an editorial board meeting, we were talking about you know, kind of where we were. It was maybe three or four months after the storm. It wasn't wasn't much longer than that. But by then, things were beginning to really start to move, and we were beginning to get a handle on um, the kind of money we were going to need to help Coastal Mississippi come back. 
And so he came to an editorial board meeting, and we were we were having a long conversation about sort of where we were, the work that he had been doing in Washington, the work that he had been doing on the ground, the the the, the way the governor's commission had been feeding into his process, you know what it was what it was going to take so he could begin to get a fi- fix on the number, you know, the billions of dollars that we were going to need for recovery, and we were we were you know kind of breaking it all down and. So, uh, so one of the reporters brought up something in Waveland, something specific in Waveland. Can you, of course, I mean, if there was a specific ground zero for Hurricane Katrina, it was Waveland. I mean, right. all of coastal Mississippi for sure. But if there was a coastal Mississippi ground zero, it was Waveland. So you imagine the work that had to be done in Waveland to get Waveland back. And so there was one specific project, one very specific project in uh, it was a grant in, in Waveland, and somebody asked about it. And he's, it's like he opened up this file in his mind around that specific grant, and he started quoting numbers and details that were just – in the scheme of everything that he had to think about, the fact that he could talk about that specific grant with the, and, and the numbers related to it, I was, like, blown away. I, you, 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 were, you were getting to see – how when some some information got into that brain, it usually didn't leave his brain, which is one of the reasons he became such a good lobbyist, incidentally, because he just, he just remembered people and situations and numbers and names and uh, just a it was it was fascinating, fascinating. But more importantly than that, it was just simply just watching his leadership in action, the way he inspired us to want to you know build back bigger and better. And it wasn't just a, a slogan for him; it was a it, he was driven to do it. That was real. That was really important. And the, hey, the other thing I said a couple of things. The other thing is, as 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 cell phones, and this is something that Sean Tennell and I talked about. As cell phones have become part of the reality of where we are today, um, in your work before you got into your current position, you spent a lot of time you know, working with kids, you know, going to high schools and talking about, you know, don't drink and drive, don't do drugs and drive, especially don't. Don't do texting and driving. You know this whole notion of, of uh, distracted driving. And I mentioned I mentioned to Sean that we were going down the road I, when I drive to the Delta, which is almost weekly. Um, I'll watch people pass me, and over fifty percent of the people who pass me are going much faster than I'm going, and they're also have their phone up, you know, texting or reading something on their phone. And man, this is the reality of the moment. We 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 don't live in a safe situation when we're on our roads these days, are we? Or, excuse me, do we? The problem, Ricky, we, we have become way too comfortable with technology. And and I say that based off of, of your observation when you're on the roads. Uh, everyone has cell phones today. You know, it is so easy to use this technology, but what we forget, the car does not drive itself. There's some out that do, but the majority of the vehicles that are on our roadways are, are we have to drive those vehicles. And that's why we continue to work the, the number of crashes that we work due to driver distraction. Uh, again, we've become too comfortable and we take we take for granted uh, when it comes to perception and reaction time. Hey, look, the human hey, brain. Hey, hey, let's do this. Let's pick it up right at the end of the segment. We're with Johnny Polis from Department of Public Safety from Mississippi. We'll uh, pick, pick it up right there when we come back on the other side.
passion and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. We'll come back to distracted driving in just a second, but we have my friend Johnny Polis from the Department of Public Safety. And uh, when I think about Polis, when I just think about the name Polis, I think about Polis Tire. And that's that's where I have gone to get my cars and trucks worked on for my entire career. I, I mean, even at one point, the Sun Herald used them as their you know maintenance company, and so Johnny's family is involved in that and. Uh, I consider them family. When I walk in, they they treat me like I'm literally a member of the family. I mean, it's just it's just incredible. But you you are lucky to be part of a wonderful family, aren't you, my friend? I am, Ricky, and, and I know our family appreciates you saying that. And you're looked at as family as well. You know, when it comes to automotive, that's where I began my career, basically in private sector was automotive repair and worked for David, who you know very well. Uh, later on in my life, I actually purchased a Firestone retail store and owned it for eight years prior to becoming a state trooper. So automotive repair is also in my blood along with law enforcement. And I learned a lot about people working in private sector as well. Yeah, I know. I know you did. Hey, we were talking about distracted driving, and uh, you know, one of the points that I made with uh, Commissioner Sean Tindall was that you think about fifty-one percent of Mississippians live in rural areas. I mean, you know, over half of Mississippians live in rural areas. So that's country roads and two-way highways, and not that not that an interstate is any more forgiving. But the reality is, you 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 vent, you venture off of, out of your lane for for a split second on a on some most of the highways in Mississippi. To be honest with you, and you're gonna have a bad situation. And too many bad situations are happening in Mississippi because of distracted driving, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And again, we've become too comfortable with technology. Uh, you use two-lane highways in Mississippi. We all know there's very few two-lane highways that they're straight. I mean, like Highway 45, one knows that's a straight shot. But a lot of two-lane highways in Mississippi are very curvy. All it takes is one time to look at your phone, and the next thing you know, you're running off the roadway, possibly colliding with a tree. So it's still a huge issue for us in Mississippi when it comes to distracted driving and crashes. Yeah, it is a it is a it is a, a really important one. So you had a, a long career. I'm 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 trying to think now. How long have you actually been there? So I started my 25th year with the agency in October. Gosh, you've seen so much change in those in those years, haven't you? I have, I have, and you know, Ricky, I think back of going to your office at Sun Herald and 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 running some things by you to get your opinion and some advice on how do I approach some of these driving issues in in Mississippi, and it's it's hard to believe that's it's been almost 20 years ago. Isn't that something, man? It's it's amazing to me. It's like a, I don't when I think about how long. You know, obviously, I've been around a while. I'm 66 years old now, and I don't feel 66. I mean, I don't. I've I've worked really hard to take care of myself, but man, I've I've been around a while. And I've seen a lot of a lot of change over a lot of years, and this show's given me such a great opportunity to reconnect with people. Like you, for example, people that I had such great relationships along the way. You know, at the end of the day, it's a small world. It amazes me the people who burn bridges because, you know, 
what goes around comes around. It's a small world. I try to always approach life that way. I know as a publisher, sometimes you make people upset. I mean, it's just a, it's just a, it's the way it is. Uh, we write stories people don't like or write editorials people don't like. Um, but I always tried to keep friendships intact when, when I could, although there were those who just burned the bridge. There were those who scorched the bridge when, when we did something they didn't like. And just something as a publisher you, you, you sort of get used to. But, um, but it's been great reconnecting. It really, it really has. Um, I've, I've enjoyed that very much. So, and, this, this, and that way, this show has been a real gift for me. But you, um, you, you think back now, 25 years, you've seen so much change during that time. And, and you're actually sitting right now at the Law Enforcement Training Academy as we speak. Think about the changes at the Law Enforcement Training Academy over those 25 years. It's, it's unbelievable. The, um, I mean, a, a, someone, a law enforcement officer today almost has to be a lawyer, don't they? Absolutely. And in, in, in law enforcement... It's constantly evolving. I mean, situations are constantly changing out. Society is constantly changing. And for law enforcement to keep up with the demands, we have to evolve and change as well. So sometimes it's a struggle, but we have to stay the course. Uh, When you sign up to be a law enforcement officer, you know it's not an easy job, but it's a rewarding job. And um, we're fortunate to have men and women that want to continue to enter into this profession. Yeah, you, you, uh, and I, I just want to remind people who didn't hear my conversation with Sean Tyndall, uh, the Mississippi Highway Patrol, the Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics, the Driver's License Services, Homeland Security, Public Safety and Planning, Mississippi Law Enforcement Officer Training Academy, the, what we were just mentioning, the Mississippi Crime Lab, Medical Examiner's Office, Crime Stoppers. And more recently, Capitol Police was added and also MDOT officers as well. So 11 different you know, agencies are part of this overall agency. And so there's a lot to say grace over, isn't there, my friend? Absolutely. And continuing to grow. You know, the agency continues to grow. Again, going back to society, uh, the perception of law enforcement uh, in society's day, it, it, there's a huge demand, and a lot, a lot of times, Ricky, the public doesn't realize, you know, it's a huge effort to go out and provide public safety to the people in our communities around the state. But we are very fortunate in the state of Mississippi to have a huge support system in place from the public. Hey, are you currently the longest tenured employee there? No, I would say <clears> that we have. Probably maybe 10 or 12 other employees that have longer years of service than I do. Wow, that's, that's, that's interesting. But because of all this, <clears throat> excuse me, because the P- Department of Public Safety has to say grace over so much because the laws are changing rapidly, public perception is changing rapidly, the focus on customer service, the, 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 the focus on de-escalation, you know, with people coming into situations, you never know what they're going to face, and you guys work really hard to de-escalate. I mean, that takes that the stress that 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 officers and 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 just any employee could encounter is very significant, and that's one of the reasons why you guys have been really focused on this project, officer wellness and resiliency program. <clears throat> they're, they're really focused on how to help people find balance in their lives in spite of the stress that they're dealing with at work. Um, this is something you guys have taken on, you know, full bore, isn't it? 
yes, and we had to, Ricky. You know, two years ago when Commissioner Tindall and Colonel Ginn came to me about putting a wellness program together, I'm going to be honest with you, I was very apprehensive uh, about taking that just for the, for a number of reasons, but mainly I'm one of the older generation troopers, and, and I think you can relate to how we were raised. Uh, we were raised a certain way that, you know, we just dealt with things and the, you know, the suck it up uh, mentality. Uh, you know, we were raised like that. Well, law enforcement is a lot like that as well, more so. And I'm thinking, eh, I'm not, I don't know if I'm the right one for this position, but I can tell you after two years of drilling down, talking to other law enforcement agencies, not only in Mississippi, but around the country of how important wellness is in an agency or department, and you have to make it priority, especially in today's world where retention and recruitment is a huge issue. No one wants to be in law enforcement anymore. So we had to come up with ways of not only to get more people to want to apply to the agency, but to also take care of the ones we currently have in place. Hey, well, you know, Johnny, I would argue your experience, your, say, your, to quote you, your old school experience and this notion of sucking it up, it actually made you the perfect person for this role because, you know, asking someone to suck it up is, is not the best approach as you've learned really well. You know, what you really want people to do is talk about what, what's inside them and, and to, to learn methods and processes they can deploy themselves to, to be able to process it so they don't hold stuff inside. Um, that actually has served you well having that experience, hasn't it? It has. And I've had to look at the other side of things of what happens when you do not talk about things. Uh, we call, you know, we keep packing things in and you know what happens when you continue to pack things in, eventually it's going to overflow. And in law enforcement, uh, the, the unfortunate part about that, when it overflows, we usually make bad decisions. Um, a lot of people don't realize, Ricky, you do, but law enforcement officers can see things in one day that the average citizen may never see in a lifetime. And yeah. We, 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 we do that every day, you know, throughout the year, and it just becomes part of what we do. The problem is it's going to come back at some point where you have to deal with it, and usually we don't deal with it in the right way. And not only does it affect, you know, the law enforcement officer, it actually affects their families. And that's why it's so important with the wellness program now that we're identifying those issues, we're addressing those issues in the right way, and we're trying to normalize those situations to where, no, you don't. Let's do this. Let's pick it up right there on the other side. We're at the end of the segment. We're with Johnny Polos with the Department of Public Safety, and we'll pick it up right there when we get on the other side. We'll see you after this break. Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. 
Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend, my dear friend, Johnny Polis, who is with the Department of Public Safety, and he's uh, the uh, project officer for the Wellness and Resiliency Program. Um, when you think about resiliency, which I talk about on the show all the time, I mean, uh, we've learned a lot as a state because of tornadoes and droughts and other challenges, especially hurricanes, uh, we've learned what resiliency is all about. Resiliency is the ability to bounce back. And when we're talking about, you know, officer wellness specifically to employees of the Department of, uh, of Public Safety, and you're right. I mean, they can see in one day what most of, most the average person never sees, to be honest with you. And as you said, yeah, I know, and I I do because I'm a former paramedic. I had I had the opportunity to be out there on the road, and I wish there's some things. And you know that you you've been there yourself before, Johnny. There's some things that I have seen in my lifetime that I wish I could unsee. You know, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. And I experienced as a paramedic, I as a very young age. I'm talking about I was a paramedic at 18, 19 years old, and. Uh, worked part time for a few years after that, and then have, have faced many, many situations that have needed my services. Unfortunately, since then, but what happens is if you don't process it properly, it 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 just kind of holds up inside you, and it creates a post traumatic stress syndrome, and and that can be debilitating. It can really be debilitating. And you know, you think about the the straw that broke the camel's back. That stuff holds up, holds up, and then the mi- the most minor thing occurs, and someone reacts to it. And it wasn't that that situation that caused the problem. It's everything that happened prior to that, and being focused on that in a way that that keeps you know officer well being in uh, in mind. Is uh, it can be a very beneficial thing because you get to see people processing a lot of that stress, and it is uh, something you got to stay focused on. But it's really paid dividends already, hasn't it? Yes, and, and we've made great strides in the wellness program. Again, identifying certain things that, um, when it comes to normalizing what a law enforcement officer or a first responder what they experience out there. Um, I use the word normalize. That is something as a law enforcement officer, we we just don't we don't look at it that way. Uh, we don't like to think about anything that we perceive as weakness. We we don't like to talk about some of the things that we've we've witnessed or or, or been through because at the end of the day, we're the protectors. I mean, we, we are the protectors and we do not like to show any level of weakness. But what we have found out for law enforcement officers and their families to have happy and productive lives, we have to identify these things and we have to sit down and just realize some of the things we see are not normal, but the reactions and the feelings that we have are normal. And we're, we're trying to implement that now into training with the new officers that are coming on board to let them know, hey, this is going to happen to you in your career, but we now have something in place that's not only going to help you, but it's also going to help your family to deal with these type of issues, move on, and again, to have happy and productive lives. Hey, after Hurricane Katrina, we actually had a psychologist uh, work at the Sun-Herald full-time for, I don't know, I, I remember it, six months, but maybe it was longer than that, actually. And it became quite acceptable, actually, when it was time to go sit down with the counselor because a lot of our employees, especially the reporters, saw things they'd never seen before. But you think about 
in our in our case, sixty six or sixty seven employees lost everything they owned. Some lost family members. Many lost friends. Um, you know, they had significant needs and they needed to learn how to process that. Now think about when I was a paramedic, if there would have been a program in place that said, you know, look, you're going to have these thoughts or you're going to have these situations. And when you had this feeling, the anxiety, the next time the bell rings, if you're having this anxiety, the reason you're having that is this. And if you had that feeling, just call this number or, or, or go see this person and, and do it quick. Don't don't wait. Don't because it will. It, these situations will add up, and it will get worse. If they'd have had a program like that, man, I'd have jumped on that in a second. And that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to process this stuff as it happens. And I love I love the, the fact that you guys are focused on work life balance, involving the family in the you know the overall solution. Uh, it, it it is holistic, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. And another another factor about the wellness program. Uh, Ricky, that a lot of people do not like to talk about, but it is it, it is a factor, and it's suicide by yeah. law. To give you an idea, uh, for 2023 year to date, we've lost 45 officers in the line of duty to gunfire. Okay, yeah. 45 officers have lost their lives to gunfire for 2023 nationwide. Yeah, the number of officers that have taken their lives. With suicide is 85. We've lost 85 law enforcement officers nationwide for 2023 to suicide. Yeah. So if that's not a sobering statistic, I don't know what is. Uh, it, it's, it's an issue, and it's something we, we talk about. You know, again, a lot of law enforcement officers don't like to talk about it because there's a stigma associated with any type of mental wellness. But it is an issue. And we're, we're normalizing those type of conversations, again, to let officers know, hey, this is a normal reaction of what, you know, what you're having due to what you witnessed or what you went through. So, again, the, the wellness program is working very well for us. We're wanting to expand it. I think Commissioner Tindall might have mentioned that to you. Uh, the program started with the Mississippi Highway Patrol, but we're now expanding the program you know, to other law enforcement entities that are underneath the umbrella of DPS. And we're just going to make it bigger and better. You know, I had a, I've had a focus on this show around teen suicide. And Paige Roberts, who's the director of the, of the Jackson County Chamber and just a terrific community leader, introduced me to a woman. Her name is Emma Benoit, and she uh, attempted suicide and as a result, unfortunately, got a spinal cord injury. But she's on a mission now to explain and help others who might have these thoughts why they need to you know, seek help and it's okay to do, you know, have, seek help. But one of the points that Emma made is that we, we ought too often resort to what she calls toxic positivity. In other words, someone's having a difficult time and they say, oh, it's going to get better. Everything's going to get better. And and that's just the answer. And and she said, that's not the answer. The answer is that you have to, you have to learn to process the situation. And she goes in quite some detail about that. But, um, it, what what she in her case and and what she what we've learned a lot about the suicide situation is they're not literally seeking to kill themselves but they're 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 seeking to relieve the pain and right. and so she she says if we could just focus on that and and have conversations about it we might be able to really turn this this situation around as it relates to to teen suicide but that's true about suicide in general and. Suicide. 
Yeah. You, you mentioned that uh, things are going to get better. You know, we say that all the time in law enforcement when we're dealing with some really tough issues. Well, it's going to get better. Tomorrow is a new day. But you have to make that happen. You have yeah. to have things in place to make things get better for tomorrow to be a better day. You yeah. have to back. Emma said that that um, Emma she talked she talks passionately about how to- toxic positivity was not helpful to her, and in fact, you know, maybe she was you know it made 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 things more difficult for her because, in, you know, it never got processed and it just got worse, and that's why it's important. But you know, I think about the stresses that that officers have to face in a, in their day-to-day world. It's not just the things they have to remember because of the changing nature of the training that is occurring, but you know, people's too many people's view toward police officers in general and the pressure that officers are under, as we said at the beginning, to de-escalate a situation. And then when things don't go the way they're planned and you know the reverberating negative impact that can have on someone's psyche I mean, there's a lot to focus on. And if you, you know, I can't imagine, you know, now that you've done this for two years, can you imagine where we would be if you didn't have that program? Oh, I can tell you, we would probably have a lot, maybe not a lot less employees, but I can tell you that there'll be some employees that are currently employed that would have left the agency because we did not have those resources in place to provide assistance, not only to the officers, but their family members as well. You know, we're a family, but we've got to add more programs, I should say, to really build the family, uh, to make the the spouses, the children actually feel part of the law enforcement family. And talking about the children, you know, I can tell you for a fact that we really haven't looked deep into what type of support system that we have in place for children. We don't. You know, they have parents that go out every single day. They worry about, are they going to come home? Is my mom or my dad, are they going to come home? We've never really put too much thought into that. But I can tell you that the family aspect of our wellness program, that's a major component. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear that. Hey, when we come back with Johnny Polis for the final segment, we'll uh, find out what else is going on in his world these days. We'll see you after this break. Matthew show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthew show. When I say the name Johnny Polis, um, I, I bet there are a lot of adults out there who can remember Johnny Polis coming to your high school. I, I don't know how, how often did you do that? How many, over how many years did you go to high schools and visit with them? So in 2005, um, I started traveling to the high schools. 
um, mainly on the coast, spent a lot of time on the coast. And then the administration said, it's time for you to start traveling. So I've been to every county, Ricky, in Mississippi um, in some type of capacity to speak about traffic safety. And, and I can tell you, talking about how time flies and, and getting up in age, I actually had a, um, a young lady approach me in Walmart uh, two months ago, and she said, are you Johnny Polis? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And she is. well, I just want to let you know, I hope my daughter gets a chance to hear your driving presentation. <laughs> she said, you gave, you gave a presentation at the Albertville High School when I was a senior 20 years ago. Wow. So do the math on that. Her daughter now is the driving age. She's 15 years old. And I spoke to her mother about <laughs> 20 years ago. So my, how time flies. Yeah. Hey, listen, I had that. I have had that experience in slightly different way, but my, my thing when my kids were growing up was to coach. I coached soccer and baseball a little bit, but mostly soccer. All their soccer teams, they're the whole way up, all three kids, and had a lot of success and a lot of fun. And, and over the years, as you can imagine, if you're doing that every year through three kids, imagine, I don't know how long, how, what span, 10 or 15 years that spans, you know, of coaching. And touched so many wonderful kids during that process and taught them about winning and life. I just loved being around kids. And, and I'll, I'll hear from one of them every now and then and say, do you remember me? And I'm like, no, nah, because the cars, they don't look the same as they used to look when I, when I coached them. And, and they would say, yeah, yeah, you coached me. We, you know, I never forget this or I never forgot that. It, I love that. I love, you know, the, you're, you, when, what you're describing to me about those classes, and I'm not surprised at all to hear that, is the generational impact that you had. And it, it, I mean, there's no way to ever quantify this, but you probably saved a bunch of lives telling those stories because I know you, you, you let it all hang out when you had those speeches. You did not leave a stone unturned. You wanted kids to understand what the outcome was going to be and what it looked, what it was going to look like right. if they um, made a bad decision. And Not only for their parents as well. Yeah. Sure parents understood the responsibilities of making sure that they know where their you know, their, their children are wearing seatbelts, and it's, you want your your son or daughter to walk back through that door as well. Yeah. Yeah, we saw we had a little Wi-Fi blip there. We got to we got the bottom line on what you're saying that that it was important for the parents to be engaged in the process because you wanted the you wanted the kids to come back to them. And you know, you you and I experienced um, well more than once, but one in particular horrific accident at uh, St. Patrick High School, and that kind of changed the the course of history for a lot of a lot of children, didn't it? It sure did. It sure did. And, you know, I'll never forget. Uh, we actually, that was, it was um, Mercy Cross. Yeah, Mercy Cross, right, for but, sure, before, before St. Patrick. And um, I did the presentation, and the Sun-Herald uh, came and covered that story that day, and it was on the front page of the Sun-Herald. And I can tell you, we definitely, when I say we, you know, you played a major role in that. Sun-Herald played a major role in that. And getting that message out, not only teens, but parents in general, of how important safe driving is.
Yeah, that's, that's such a big deal. Hey, listen, um, you know, you're at your twilight of your career, but it is interesting that you get into a position you know, working on this Department of Public Safety Wellness Program in a way that can really make an impact and draw from all these years of experience. I mean, in fact, you were in a great position to be the guy to help lead this because you've been communicating for, with so many people over so many years and you had all this experience. What a great way to make an impact as you as you enter sort of the twilight of your career. Absolutely. And it's been an honor and a privilege for me to take this program and work with some of the people that truly believe in it. As with Commissioner Tennell, um, I can tell you he's got a young family. He, he's got... He's got teenagers that are driving now. You know, he yeah. knows the importance of that. He's he probably mentioned uh, driver's ed. Yeah. You know how yeah. that's big. That's a big thing for him uh, to be able to you know to want to push that and make that happen. And, and I'm just I'm just honored to play uh, the role that I'm playing in with the department right now. Right yeah, now. I actually referred to the bill that he wants to have passed the legislature for mandatory driver's education. Um, I, I, once you once you understand how important it is, especially in this day of distracted driving, it should be a no-brainer. It sh- this should be a no-brainer. But we should we should f- literally force uh, a whole new level of driver education. And uh, you know, I think I think we'll have success in getting that through. And as a result, we're going to save a lot of lives. Especially, I mean, if you if if you see to me, what gets measured gets done. So all you have to do is look at what the data is saying. The data is saying we better act. <laughs> we we better act, and we better act quickly. If we don't, we're going to pay for it in the future. And there's going to be a lot of hurt families as a result of it. And and. I mean, you, that's where you're coming from as well, isn't it? Absolutely. And Mississippi consistently ranks either first or second in the nation in teenage driving fatalities. You know, and if that's if, if, if that doesn't get your attention, I, I don't know what will. And you can do, do some research on that. But probably for the last 10 years, Ricky, Mississippi consistently ranks first or second in the nation in teenage driving fatalities. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.